We're going to be talking again about conversations with the Lord, with God. And there are two places that we'll land today. We'll land in 2 Kings. Um, where is that? That is in the Old Testament. First and Second Kings. There's First and Second Samuel's there. First and Second Chronicles. Bless you. And um, we're being there today. And then there's one verse that kind of ties, I believe, everything together. And we know the verse quite well. We'll get there in a minute. Um, but there's one verse that you'll know. Like if you hear it, you're like, "Yeah, I know that verse." So we're going to tie that into today's story and realize that the Lord is very, very, very concerned about our lives. He's super concerned about our lives. I want you to think now, it may have been last week, it may have been a year ago, it could have been 10 years ago, it could have been 20 years ago. You're like, I'm not even 20 yet. Okay, well, it could have been a few years ago. Um, Or it could have been 40 years ago, I don't know. But what's been the hardest test you've ever taken in your entire life? The most excruciating test that you've ever taken in your entire life. Um, I know for my um, sister-in-law, probably her CPA test, she took several different segments of it, and I mean, she was stressed out <laughs> to the max going through that. How about you? What kind of tests have you taken? I think for me, it was probably that summer term at UTA when I was in engineering probability class, which I have no idea what I was doing, and um, I was in there. Thank God for the C, right? Thank the Lord I got a C in that class. I don't know how. I really don't know how, but I got it. So anyway, I studied really hard. But um, those are probably some of the hardest tests I've ever taken ever um, in school or anything like that. So today as we look into the scripture today, I want you to realize that there is a national crisis going on. There is a personal crisis going on. This one person had a double dip, a double problem facing him, and we all have multiple issues what we face. But can you imagine being the leader of a nation? And then you have a personal problem as well. There is a massive issue going on. We have here in the book of 2 Kings, if you'll turn there, 2 Kings chapter 20 um, is where we are. Um, and we'll kind of scoot back a little bit and give you the story, the hindsight of the story. Uh, but if you look there in 2 Kings 20, it's about this king named Hezekiah. Ever heard of Hezekiah? He's um, a king there in the southern kingdom, um, the southern kingdom of Judah. Um, he's been, he started there when he was 25 years old. He only reigned about 27, 29 years, something like that. It was kind of a short reign. Um, but um, he was there doing his reigning. He really loved the Lord. There was a national crisis though going on. And so if you look back in chapter 18 and 19, um, just some great things that transpired in this king's life. Look at it says there in chapter 18. It says, In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asher poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. Wait, stop. Wait a second. He destroyed Moses. Remember that bronze snake they held up in the, in the desert? Remember that? He held it up, and if you got bit by a serpent, 
then you look at it and you would live. They kept that around as a, isn't that funny how we do? We see something that was kind of neat. We kind of did it and we put it like an idol. So they actually had that up and they actually would, would celebrate around that golden serpent over the years and they would kind of worship that thing. And so he destroyed that um, in all the different high places. He tore it and he, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Verse 5 said, he trusted in the Lord. So Hezekiah evidently was a good king. He was an awesome king. Um, he was a wonderful king. But I wonder if Hezekiah had any human frailties like we all do. And of course, you know he did. Um, and so as I went through here, did some research, did some study, I bumped into a verse later on, we'll get there, that lets me know that the Lord is very concerned about Hezekiah's life. The Lord is very concerned about everyone's life. And so here, as we look through here, let's kind of scoot through here. In verse chapter 18, we see that he's now king. Um, you see here that in verse 17 of chapter 18, the king of Assyria sent his accessors, commanders and chief officials, all his commanders, he sent them to Jerusalem. So here come these um, great um, warriors, these wonderful um, commanders and captains. They came to the city of Jerusalem. They came there with a letter from Sennacherib. It said, here, here's a letter. We have destroyed all the cities in this whole Jerusalem area, and we are now at your door, and we see that you're surrounded uh, with a nice wall. You kind of feel like you're safe inside the wall. We're here, and here's a letter I want you to give to the king. Give it to your king Hezekiah. Sennacherib wants him to read this. And so as he prepared that letter, and as he actually the guys read the letter, as the guys were on the wall listening to all this skirmish and, and different um, destruction, they were listening. They gave the letter to King Hezekiah. So he has this letter. Um, so then as they're on the wall, the king um, and his commanders, they're starting to tell him what's in this letter. That way everybody hears what's inside this letter. So Hezekiah gets this, chapter 19. He starts to read through the letter. He actually calls upon Isaiah, the prophet. Why does he call Isaiah out? Well, what does a prophet do? A prophet goes to the father. He gets instruction, and he comes back to the people, and he declares what the Lord said. So how about today? Do we do that? Do we go to the priest or the prophet? Well, you can. But today, we have him who lives within us. Isn't that wonderful? So I thank the Lord for that. I go to him anytime, anywhere. But here is um, Isaiah. He's been called upon. So Isaiah is there, but Hezekiah goes to the temple. There in chapter 19, verse 14, he received the letter from the messengers and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. Have you ever done that? I have did that years ago. I had so many things going against me um, as far as bills, um, issues, uh, letters of things that were coming at me. I totally took all those letters, all those bills. The wife was away cutting air, doing something, and the boys were gone. I put them all on my dinner table, had them all spread out in categories. Like, here's this problem. This is the most important problem. Here's this problem. Here's this. Had them all over the, the table, and I cried out to the Father. Have you ever done that? I did that, and um, 
I just cried out my heart because of the things that were coming against us and the things that were all over that table. And so this is what King Hezekiah did. He cried out to the Lord. Um, and then it says in verse 20 of chapter 19, then Isaiah sent a message to the king. He said, this is what the Lord says. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and this is what the word of the Lord spoken to him says. And he went through and he tells him what's going to happen to king, um, the, the king Sennacherib and the things are going to happen. So he says here that I will defend this city and I will save it. And so that's verse 34. 35 says, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. I've talked about that before. But as I think about that again today or even this week, I'm trying to think, what would it be like if you got up in the morning and you saw the 250,000 men out there in the field, that's a lot of fighting men, and you get up and you're starting to walk around and everywhere you go there are dead bodies, 185,000 dead people on the ground. I think I would get my backpack, pack it up, and I would leave the country, wouldn't you? Because something's not right here. The longer you hang around Jerusalem, bad things are happening. Matter of fact, if you recall back in Scripture, you're probably thinking, we remember the of Egypt. All the things that happened to Egypt. Remember that? I mean, they're thinking. They know these things. And so they're thinking, you know what? This is a bad idea. Okay, we destroyed it. You know what? This, they did. They left the country. But realize when you hit chapter 20, where we are today, many people think this problem happened before all this or even maybe during this time. So don't think that because you come to chapter 20, it's like, okay, all that's done. Now we're on to his illness. Because now he has an illness. And I'm thinking that it ha happened during the time of this siege when the Assyrians were coming in. So let's dive in and realize that everybody here has tests that we go through. Everybody goes through tests. So here is chapter 20, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amaz, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Can you imagine? This is what the Lord says. He comes to you and says, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Okay. Some of us here need to put our house in order. What does that mean? I know that for me, Remember we had um, a brother that was here probably four, five, six months ago, sitting right over here. Brother uh, is um, uh, The brother that was here was my brother, Mark, a police officer, and how he was there worshiping the Lord, and, and his name escapes me right now, Reggie. Um, he was here, but he died. Massive heart attack, like a couple weeks later, walking through his house, just dead on the floor. Um, and come to realize that everything that he had, he purchased and different things he did, was all in his name, in his name only. So how do you think the wife was? The wife's not really able to access that stuff because it's not in her name. So I went back to my stuff. And when I see this, it says, put your house in order. I'm thinking, okay, I need to make sure I put my house in order to make sure that, it, let's say I'm walking through the house and out. This is my last day. I don't know. We don't know, do we? We don't know. So we went back, and the wife even asked me, driving home, she's like, well, is my, is my name on the, 
the, the title of this car, I went, you know, it's not. It's not because you weren't there. I just signed it and went on about my day. And I got to take care of that. I, I got to change that. And, and about the house, okay, oh, yeah, your name's on the house. Okay, that's good. We got that check. That's good. There's certain things that you have done, um, good or bad, it doesn't matter. thing is, you got to make sure you can take care of the family, right? Make sure you take care of the wife or the husband or either way. So make sure that everything is done in a proper and fitting way. So here Isaiah comes. He comes to the king and says, hey, king, you are not going to live. Look at this. He says, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. That doesn't sound very positive, does it? That Would that get your attention? Yeah. I mean, just take... Like today, you know, if you really feel like you're having a bad day, just get in your car, drive down to any hospital. I don't care where you go. Just go to any hospital um, and just get out, go about the third or fourth floor, and just start walking around. Just walk real like you're going to visit somebody. Just walk around real slow and just listen to the conversation. Listen to the beepers going off. Listen to the, see the people crying in the hallways. See the people that are in distress. Um, can you imagine getting that? A prophet saying, you will not live. You, you are done. Well, this really bothered King Hezekiah. Can you imagine? It really bothered him. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. What would you do if you heard that same thing? I would turn my face to the wall. Um, and I would be pleading to God for my life. But isn't it funny how... We so cling to life. Don't we cling to it? We really do. I mean, we're, we're researching things. I mean, how can I live longer? And what can I eat right? And, and how can I get this so that I can, I can feel better? And I, mean, and I get it. That's, that's a good thing, right? Thank the Lord for the things He's given us. But if you don't think about it, I mean, isn't heaven a glorious place? Isn't heaven like streets of gold? I don't even think we even can realize what it's going to be like when we get on the other side. So I'm thinking that someone who's dying and went to heaven, and you're praying, oh, God, bring him back. They're probably, they're probably saying, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea. No sin, no temptation, no issues. It's just Jesus, 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 Jesus all day long. That's pretty awesome, right? It's like an endless Amazon. What do you need? Down there in aisle Z of the, you know, right? I mean, it's, it's whatever you need. It's there. So he cries out and turns his face to the wall. Remember, O Lord. Oh, now he starts to, okay, he, he says here, remember, O Lord. Isn't that funny how we do that? Now, Lord, you remember the things that I did and how I was. You know me. He says, remember. He says, remember, O oh Lord, how I walked before you faithfully. Now, he really did. Okay, this is a good thing, right? This is a good... I want to emulate my life after this king. He did. He walked faithfully and with wholehearted devotion. We could just stop there and do a whole... And I did do a whole sermon on that. Wholehearted. Remember all? Remember the sermon on all? All your what? Mind. All your strength. All. Do we really give all to Jesus? You know, Daryl could sing a song, All to Jesus, I surrender. Do you really surrender it all? Mm. 
and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. You know, I had to kind of look to that one day. I was in my study, studying one day years ago, and I thought, I wonder what happens when people really weep before the Lord. What really happens? It seems like, maybe this is me, but every time I kept reading, every time someone would weep bitterly, the Lord would answer the prayer every time. It's like they were begging, crying, tears. I mean, it's like their mascara is just totally like just running. It's like they're a total disaster. You ever see someone cry so hard that they're just, they're just snobbing and drenched, and you're like, oh, my gosh. You're like, oh, that, that's just, uh. But you know what? They are desperate. What do you do when you're desperate? You call out to the Lord. He did. Isaiah's there and says, okay, I can see Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah's a straight shooter. Love you, brother. You've been faithful, but get your house in order. Got to go. He turns to leave. Right? You're thinking, that guy's cold-hearted. Well, he's just doing what he's supposed to do. All right? I mean, Isaiah's seen it all. I mean, don't think Isaiah, I mean, his life was rough too. He's going, dude, <laughs> you got a pretty good life here. Me, I'm, I got to go. You know, he, he, So he leaves, and here's Hezekiah. Before Hezekiah, or Isaiah had left the middle court, so it couldn't have been more than what? Less than a couple minutes to get through the castle. After he wept bitterly, the prayer was a, must have been a short prayer, right? He left the middle of the court. The word of the Lord came to him. said, go back, tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. You know, the Lord likes that. These are my people. Um, this is what the Lord says. Uh, the God of your father David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. That's good news, right? That is really good news. I will heal you. So what did Isaiah do? He turned back around. He went to the king. And he said, on the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. Verse 6. And I will add 15 years to your life. That's pretty good. He's not very old, right? He was 25 when he started reigning. He reigned 29 years, so he's about middle way through his reign, so he's not going to be very old even when he dies, right? Not very old. But you get 15 more years. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Well, let me help you here and look through a few things that happens when you're tested. There's a verse that parallels this account because this story is not only found in this portion of Scripture. If you look in Isaiah, he even talks about it. And then you look in 2 Chronicles, they talk about it. So if you turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verse 31, you're thinking, now why in the world is there 2 Chronicles? What is this Chronicles? It means, it literally means things omitted. Things omitted or extra things, meaning other material. So what happened was the priests, we think Ezra wrote this, priests would combine all these materials to get the total picture. Does that make sense? So when the kings wrote this, then there was extra material that was brought in. And look at this verse in 2 Chronicles 32, 31. It says, but when the envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about this miraculous sign, that occurred in the land, 
God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. Did you get that? God said he left him to test him. I don't like that. When I saw that and read that, I went, I don't. I thought God would never leave you nor forsake you. He left him to know everything that was in the heart. Let's leave that verse up. I wonder what's inside our hearts. What's inside your heart? So testing, God tests us by, number one, by prolonging adverse circumstances, meaning it's a lot longer than we would really like to go through. Think of the life of Joseph. Didn't he go through a lot? He went through terrible, terrible anguish. Um, but he went through it in the last verse there in chapter 50 of Genesis. says, what? To save a nation. We don't see that, right? We look at it as, this is bad. We're going through a bad thing. This is bad. But if you really look at it, the things you're going through, don't look at it as bad. Look at it as good. Well, how can you do that? Well, look at it. I know you're suffering. You have trouble. But look at it as good. Maybe the Lord's preparing you for the next level, preparing you for the next assignment. It may even be of greater magnitude that you have because you've already taken care of this. And He knows what's inside your heart. I personally feel like He already knows what's in there. He just wants you to know what's in there. So as I read through again, and saw some other things in, like the book of Isaiah, it says that Hezekiah at one time had some pride in his heart. Imagine that, right? Because one time, another king came in from Babylon. He wasn't the big king yet. He's going to be. But he came in and said, hey, how you doing? I'm kind of like, I'm allies with Egypt, and I um, just want to see if maybe you'd like to kind of like join our group here. We're kind of, because these Assyrian guys are bad. Well, you want to join kind of our group here and, and he thought, oh, hey, holy, this is pretty nice around here. He took him on a tour of everything that he had. That's not a good thing, folks. <laughs> don't ever show the enemy everything you have. I don't even say things in my house, the things that I have or do. Because who's listening? Everybody's listening, right? In the spiritual realm. So um, he says, look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. And he showed him all the different things he had all the different golds and silvers and treasures and pearls and diamonds and gold and silver. I mean, he showed everything. Then Isaiah came in one day and says, Hey, uh, I noticed you had a king here from Babylon, not the Assyria guys, but what did you show him? He goes, I showed him everything. He goes, not a good thing. Because you did that, later on, everything you showed him will be taken away. Guess what? It was taken away, Babylon. So, sometimes the Lord tests us by prolonged, adverse circumstances. Sometimes He, he kind of tests us through physical and emotional affliction. You're like, what? Job, ring a bell. Yeah, Job, what a crazy story. Um, that's a crazy story. And then, sometimes He does it by delayed fulfillment or promises. He just delays it, like the life of Abraham and Sarah. Or... He might do a quick test. He may say, okay, do this. How about like King Saul? Okay, go annihilate the Amalekites today. Go now. 
And he went, he said, oh, by the way, don't take nothing. He was testing him. And then, how about like seasons of dryness where there's no word at all, where he's like silent. Dear God, where are you? He's just going, not saying a word. He wants to really see what's inside your heart. So as I read through Scripture, I realize that there's things in even in my heart. How would you measure up if the Lord came and spoke to you about what's inside your heart? Is there things in there like pride, unforgiveness, unwillingness to submit, arrogance, haughty spirit, lies, etc., etc., etc.? I mean, what's inside our heart? Isn't it funny how when something goes wrong, the thoughts that go through your head and the things that really are in your heart, the things you may say, I'm thinking, wow, I didn't realize that that was in my heart. I had a class that made me in school that made me write down everything that I would like to think or say or do during the week. I write things out. And I would write and reflect on that, and you do a reflection on the reflection. And then he'd write little notes back to you. This is a a weird class. But it made me realize that the things that were really inside my heart and how do I know what's in there? How can I even, let's say I wanted to kind of figure, figure some of you guys out, or you want to figure me out. How would I know what's inside your heart? I would hang around you. I would go to dinner with you. I'd hang at your house. And I would listen to what you said, because what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So I'm hanging around, right, just kind of listening. And then I'll notice the eye contact, or the lack thereof. Does that make sense? My dad was always like, look at me, boy. Look at me, boy. And he always said that. Look at me, son. I'm like, what? Because I, mean, I knew I was in trouble, and I knew what I did. I was like, what? Look at me in the eyes. What? <laughs> I'm not going to give him contact. Because it's almost like he could see all the way down inside my soul. Is that the eye gate? It's weird, right? And then we're like, you look at someone like that, and they kind of, they kind of, they don't want to look good. Because it's kind of weird. It's a weird feeling, right? It's really weird. It's, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I go to a friend's house who's got this real big uh, um, poodle. It's a real gigantic poodle. And so, and I'm kind of like, just kind of just, you know, chilling and relaxing. And it comes up to me. I mean, it's like this big head. It's got these big eyes. But, you know, it's like, it's, it's the weirdest feeling. Like, oh my gosh, it's like. You look at it, but I don't see nothing in there. It's like there's nothing there. You know, it's kind of like there's no spirit there, right? There's no beautiful dog. But it's a weird feeling to have someone look in your eye, right? Even my wife won't look at me in the eye. I'm like, look at me, honey, look at me. I love you so much. She's like, uh-uh, I ain't going there. That's just the way she is. Oh, no. Yeah. There's something about the eyes. So the Lord wants you to realize that it's really a heart thing. Really, it is, because you look at Hezekiah, he really knew what it was to honor the Lord. He really knew what it was to love his God. And so God did answer him. He did. He answered him, and he had 15 more years of his life. Now, we can kind of go around and kick that around a little bit, like me and Greg did a couple months ago. We talked about, you know, who was born to the king after he was alive for 15 more years. He had a son during that time, Manasseh. 
Who is Manasseh? The worst king ever of all times. So was it good that Hezekiah had 15 more years? Or was it that the king, Hezekiah, kind of got in coast mode? This is all speculation. We don't know. Scripture doesn't say. But think about it. If he had 15 more years left, you knew that. God's word is true, right? You got 15 years. Maybe he just didn't do like he used to do and pray and let his boys see or, or help them pray because Manasseh, when his dad died, he went back and reversed everything his dad ever did. Does that even make sense? It's almost like he wanted to do that. I mean, it was like the scripture said, he did this and did that, did this. and It's almost like he said, dad's dead, good. Rebuild that altar, good. Redo this, good. He tore that down, oh, fix that over here and do this. And that. What, what, what kid does that? A demented one that wasn't trained in the way of the Lord, evidently. So was it good that he had 15 more years? I don't know, but the Lord honored that. Then I want to tie in this verse with this king. I think it's very applicable. You ever heard of 2 Chronicles 7.14? 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says this. I'll read it, then I'll come back and rehash it. Sound good? You ever heard this verse? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I need to look now, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and heal their land. Just keep that right there. We're going to digest that for a few minutes. Isn't God good? Did God answer Hezekiah's prayer? Yes. Could he have not answered it? Absolutely. But here's a conditional promise found in Chronicles, which in all reality was back in Solomon's day, this was written when Solomon was king, when God asked Solomon, what do you want? And he had any choice he could give him, anything. And what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. Ability to do what? To be able to take care of people. So the Lord gave him this verse. But it's always conditional. If my people always gives us an option, doesn't he? If my people who are called by my name. I like that. Hezekiah was part of the Lord's kingdom. He was called by his name. And if we humble ourselves, if we humble, did King Hezekiah humble himself? Yes. Did he totally submit to God? Yes. He recognized his failures. He said, God, I'm a sinner. Father, help me. It's almost like that guy in the New Testament that's on the corner with the other guy that's real flamboyant, but he's beating his breast going, Father, forgive me, forgive me. He doesn't even look up to heaven. He looks down, he's beating himself. A sinner I am, he said to the Father. Humbled himself. He renewed his commitment to God. He renewed it. Have you ever done that? Renewed your commitment to God? I know I have. Humble yourself. Tell him you're spiritually bankrupt. I'm in desperate need. That's what Hezekiah did. He humbled himself. So if we humble ourselves and we pray, we, we pray, we take the time to hesitate, we turn our face to the wall, we cry out for mercy, we press in and we don't let go. So many times we press in and we let go. 
You ever done that? You press sin and you let go. We need to pray. And the Word of God says to pray and watch and pray. He wants us to grab a hold of it. And I truly believe the reason that He creates this scenario is that the Lord loves to have us come to Him because He loves His children. We love it when Hunter comes home at the end of the night and he sits on the end of the bed. He still does it. Kid's 19 years old. Is he going to still do it when he's 30? You know, he's not going to be there when he's 30. But, but isn't it awesome that he sits? Of course, I'm passed out. He knows I'm asleep. I'm trying to get some rest. I'm, I'm waiting to get, up, get over to work, and he's just coming in late. So he, and he, he just tells us all kinds of stuff that happened throughout the day, and we love to hear that. Right? Don't you love that when your kids jump in bed? Well, they, you know, they jump in bed and go back to your bed. But We love that when they're there because we love to be able to talk with them. We love that. How much more our Heavenly Father? Because one day, He won't be there. It'll just be Mama, me and Mama and the poodle. And the poodle don't say much. She just kind of shakes a lot. But he loves to hear from us. He loves that. So if we pray and we, we settle for nothing less, we must see him in our prayers. I put that, you're going, what does that mean? Whatever it means for you. I need to see him in my prayers. What's that mean? Again, you have to settle that with yourself. I love to see him in my prayers. Then he says, and seek my face. When I get here, I think to myself, it's almost like you're hunting for hidden treasures. I see those guys on the beach, well, they used to do something anymore, but they had those little, little medals. That, yeah, that's, I couldn't get their name out. They're trying to, oh, and all of a sudden, oh, they're, like, you, you, they're like, they're digging with a little shovel. They're like, oh, oh. It's a matchbox car from 20 years ago. Okay, so, uh, you know, oh, it's the first one made. Okay, cool. We're, we're looking for treasure, right? We seek his face. Well, wouldn't you if you're going to die? I mean, you, the doctor said you're going to die. Wouldn't you, like, seek his face? And turn from your wicked ways. I like that because, you know, as us guys and gals, we, we like to kind of, we kind of like to, okay, well, we're going this way. The Lord's like, no, I want you to turn away from that. I want you to, I want you to not be like the world. Okay, okay. No, I want you to, I want you to turn. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean 90 degrees? Well, I can kind of still see it in my peripheral. He goes, you need to turn 180 degrees, not 179. That would be me, right? I'm almost there, but I just want to hold on to one little more thing. Hold on to one more little morsel, right? It's that last morsel. It's always the best, right? That last, that last chocolate chip cookie, the last, the last morsel on the end of that cookie. It's just like, it's, oh, it's that. He wants us to turn from those things that are in the world. So many things hold us fast, right? Material things, games, Shows, food, entertainment. None of those things hold you fast, do they? No. Nah. Nah. You can do without Netflix. 
can do without Hulu. I can do without, you know, those, those different things. I, I can, right? I don't know. I, I like that cup of coffee and the chocolate chip cookies. I, I like Joe's pasta pizza. I will go there every day. The wife was away. And every night, where was I? <laughs> Joe's pasta pizza. She's gone Monday night. <laughs> Tuesday night, Joe's pasta pizza. How you doing, Jay? Doing great. Keep it coming. <laughs> Wednesday, Joe's pasta pizza. I'm just telling you how it was when Mama was away. I love those things. Yeah. She already knew. She texted me. She goes, I see her at Joe's. Oh, crazy lady. I don't veer much. Where's he at? QT or Joe's. That's it, man. That's it. That's the only place I'm going to go. Right? What else? Where else is there to go? I got, oh, I got to go to work. Oh, God, I got to go to work. QT or Joe's. He wants us to turn from all those things. He wants us to draw near to Him. Doesn't He? He really does. He wants us to draw near. So, so what's the key here? The key is all those things. You humble yourself. You pray. You seek. You turn. If you do all that, did Hezekiah do all that? You bet he did. He destroyed all the wicked places. He was seeking God all the, all the time through there. He was seeking God. He, was, he, he turned his face to the wall. He was, he was humble. So if you do all that, what's God's promise? Then what? I will hear from heaven. Father was like, you know what? Now I can hear you. It's kind of funny, right? I can't hear you. I'm right here talking to you. I still can't hear you because you haven't met the conditions. Isn't that funny? There's things in here that the Lord wants us to do and he, he, he does hear us, but he can't hear you. He goes, yeah, I hear you, but I really can't hear you because you forgot to do this. You forgot to love your brother as yourself. <laughs> you, you, you have trouble with your brother. You, 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 you don't like your neighbor. I, I hear you, but I can't hear you. You want me to do something? I, I'd love to do it. All you got to do is line up. Just line up, and I'll do it. Just line up. I'm pretty sure, I haven't been there, those have been in the military. I'm pretty sure they want you to line up and do certain things, right, at a certain time. You really have no option, right? You got to go, well, if I want to, I'll line up. I'm pretty sure the captain wants you to line up. And if you don't, you're going to be peeling potatoes and cleaning the floor and mop it again and mop it again and mop it again. I'm, I'm just saying my dad used to tell me those kind of things. He'd tell me things about the military. I mean, the Lord's, yes, he's a military guy too, but he's loving. He wants so bad to be able to bless you. He says, all you got to do is do that. Then I'll hear from you, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. I love it when I see our president. Okay, I haven't seen him recently because I don't watch the TV anymore, but I love when our president dives in to the Oval Office or wherever he closes the door. You see like on the news, you see him kind of go in before a major decision. What's he doing in there? I am praying. He's seeking God Almighty. He comes out and he makes a decision. He signs it. I am believing that he's going in there to seek God. And God will what? He will heal our land. Well, the thing about this Chronicles thing is, okay, the big, bigger picture, this verse inside this book, of Chronicles 
is this material is repeated material. What does that mean? It has been written in a previous book with additions to it. But realize it came from a priestly outlook and realize that what they really wanted you to do when you read through the book of Chronicles is they really wanted to focus you on worship. They really want you to realize when you do these things, yeah, this is good, we need to do that, but realize that the whole realm is worshiping the Lord your God. That's what they want you to know. When you read through Chronicles, think about that. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord with me. Worship, why? The priests always want you to worship the Lord with Him. I think the Lord likes that. When His people worship Him in spirit and in truth. I read something that was quite funny, but yet when you get to the end, you go, ooh, right? Let me read this to you that will tie all this together tonight or today. In my conclusion notes, as I conclude at 11.03, which is still pretty early, by the way, there is value in tension. Sometimes we don't like tension, but there's value in tension. Listen to this. What it does, though, is it keeps us close. So realize that somewhere in the northeastern United States, and I haven't been up there in a long, long time, but evidently there's a fish up there, a codfish. Does anybody know what codfish is? Evidently it's a real delicacy to eat. So this codfish, um, if you take it and prepare it, immediately it is super fresh. It tastes delightful. Well, others throughout the other states were wanting to have that same fish and that same fresh taste. So they were shipping it out to different places. They would freeze it and ship it. They would get it and eat it and think, you know, that wasn't too bad. But I remember when I was up there in Maine or wherever, it tasted so much better when it came right out of the water and into the frying pan. Right? We've all been there, right? So the shippers started thinking, what can we do? to get it to the people and still be fresh. I know, we'll just pack it in seawater, and then we'll ship it like that. So they ship it like that with the, in the water, and when it got there, it wasn't too bad, but it was a little bit slimy, a little bit kind of mushy feeling. The texture wasn't just right. That still wasn't good enough. So they kept thinking, what can we do to be able to get that same taste and fresh taste of codfish all the way down to like Kentucky or Alabama. How, how can we do that? This guy came up with a plan. He goes, you know what you ought to do? You stick inside the water catfish with, their, with the codfish, and it'll be as fresh as anything. What is that? What happened was they put the catfish in with the codfish, and those catfish are the enemy of the codfish, and those codfish are, are, are trying to get away from the catfish. So everywhere they go in the tank, they were, they were getting chased around. So when the codfish got down to where they were and they got them out and prepared the, the, the meal, it was fresher. It was all get out than it even was up in the main area. How is that? Because it's constantly in friction and tension, and it was fresh because the enemy fish was there on his tail, and it kept him close. So what he was really supposed to be doing was what? Keep moving. Mm. First, can you name some catfish swimming in your tank? <laughs> Hold on. It gets better. <laughs> Keeps you fresh, right? When that catfish is in, 
Abu, I wish that catfish would go away. I know, but they never will. Maybe you live with one of them. <laughs> Let me move on, right? Or, or is it somebody at work whose irritating presence just um, takes you to your knees several times a day? I got a few of those at work. Hmm. They come, I got I to gotta go check house mail, I got to leave. I just want to leave, right? Every church even has a few catfish. They're there to keep us all the cods from getting soft, mushy, and tasteless. <laughs> Have you given thanks for them lately? Just think. It's that tension in the tank that helps the image of Christ emerge. With the right attitude, we can learn how to keep from resenting them as intruders as the chase continues. What are the catfish in your tank? What's the tension that requires you to depend upon the strength of the Lord? To Hezekiah, Sennacherib was one big catfish, and his illness was another huge catfish. So in all reality, the Lord allowed those things so that Hezekiah would press in to his Creator and realize what's in his heart. He wants you to press in and then check in to see those things that are what? That are not pleasing in his sight. And the best thing is, the Lord always forgives because he cannot wait to bless you immensely. He blessed Hezekiah with 15 more years. That's a blessing. To be able to take some more time with his family and his kingdom. He has so much more for you. When I look around and I pray for you guys, I pray for you all the time, I see so much more for you. So much more that the Lord wants to do through you and in your families. Um, so much more that the next 10 or 20 years or 30 of the Lord keeps us here, um, we're going to be seeing people that are been transformed and changed because you've driven through a drive through or you've stopped at work or you've intentionally went around talking with individuals or you changed your routine you draw the same way to work, you do the same thing. Instead, you go, you know what, this year, I'm going to take a different route. I'm going to stop by a different donut shop. I'm going to stop by a different uh, grocery store. And I'm going to bump into different people so that I can reach different people for Jesus. Because the Lord has something He wants me to do today, and He's going to bless me because I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to pray. I'm going to reach out. And I'm going to believe what His Word says. I'm going to do what it says. And then He will heal our land. He will heal the house. Will he not? He will. And others will be affected immensely.